Hi, and welcome to MC Podcast 28. In the studio today is Cullen Johnson. Cullen, welcome. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Good deal, man. Uh, so just kind of catch us up on uh, on where you've been, what's been going on. Uh, we, you, you've moved. I moved, yes, Okay, all right. So, so kind of catch us up on, on just what's going on with Mr. Cullen Johnson these days. Uh, so probably since the last time we talked, uh, Harvest has been in full swing. Okay. Um, that's kind of been the big thing on my my list of things this last I okay guess. all right so all you do is harvest is i mean is this is this you i mean you don't have anything else going on in your life other than work and corn i mean when i ask you that question i i really expected a yeah hey i got a new place to live yeah, it's really yeah. nice uh you know we've been hanging out we've been doing these things and the first thing you step into is well, I've been harvesting, yeah. and yeah. harvest is just about over now. So is there anything other, okay, anything other than work stuff that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah, okay. there is. All there right, is. Right. I did move. You know that. I did move, okay. but I did. They don't know that. All right, that's true. That's okay. true. Uh, right. I did move, but uh, the ca- caveat there is that I moved to my nursery location. <laughs> so, again, we moving closer to put up a tent for you? Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... No, uh, it's a nice wall canvas tent, by yeah. the way. You know, it's not one of those. Got cheap all the walls. luxuries. Got a little bit of running water, maybe a little bit of electricity. We're still working on that. But now, uh, moved there. I'm still uh, going to get my master's at SIU, so still doing class stuff. Um, but yeah, just living the life of a corn breeder out in the field, pretty much. Okay. So. All right. So, so you did. We 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 got you moved, and and you feel more at home yeah. out there. Where, where the nursery is and kind of out there on the research farm. And you'll be right there by the greenhouses yep, uh, yep. for this for this winter and everything. And so uh, how did – so we have to ask this question, though. How did Maisie handle the move? Uh, well, for, for those who don't know, Maisie is my uh, mini Aussie. Uh, she's a year and a half old, uh, loves food. Um, yes. But, yes, she enjoy, enjoyed actually moving out there. She has a little more space to run. Um, she's actually, uh, getting a little more exercise as well. I brought her out with me to harvest, which you know, dog named Maisie loves corn. So she was enjoying, uh, being able to run through the rows and whatnot, but yeah, she's enjoyed it. Um, and, and having more space for both of us and having, uh, being right there is actually really nice. Cause once I get done with work, I can just come in and, and hang out with my, uh, my dog at the house. Good so. deal. Hey, watch tap in the table. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You make you're making noises, all right. So hey, uh, well good. So so we, we, you have been harvesting. I noticed uh, this week uh, around my house, um, the most of the beans are out. There's guys starting to get the corn out because around here we got planted later. There were some guys who actually planted mm-hmm. beans before they they planted corn. Uh, buddy of mine, uh, he uh, he actually had an auger wagon break down and had to unload the auger wagon mm-hmm. so it could. So so harvest is in full swing. Yes. is what I is what I was talking about. So. So you you've gotten how, how has harvest been for you this year? Uh, so uh, there's two different types of harvest that I've been do- doing this year. Uh, had hand harvest for the nursery uh, to get everything out. We had done pollinations on over the summer. Uh, those include selections, new hybrid combinations, uh, any type of seed increases that I wanted to do. So we have some seed for next year for hybrids. Right. Um, but uh, that's the first kind of harvest that I did. Uh, we also recently got a research combine, yes. uh, so we're able to test uh, for um, yield levels and moisture levels and see how those compare so we can determine these new hybrids that we have, what relative maturity are they at. Um, and that's kind of the big step of when we're testing for hybrids. We're also looking for things that um, yield well in those relative maturity okay. So, ranges. So har- harvest, harvest went well? I mean, yes. No, no, no major breakdowns? No, no major, major breakdowns? Nope. 
How about the combine? Combine. Any major breakdowns? No, not there, not there. No, no, okay. No. All right. Well, good. No, so every, so everything with, with, with your harvest went smooth, and, and you're done. You're, yes. you're done with your harvest now. So, you know, we, we spoke about this research combine, and which leads kind of to this question of, you know, as a, as a company right now that is a corn company that is focused on forage quality, mm-hmm. and, and I think that we would all admit that, that we are focused on the feedability of those hybrids um, and breeding and developing for good starch digestibility, good fiber digestibility. Why is it important for us to have a research combine to measure grain yield? Well, uh, you know, like you said, first and foremost, we are thinking about the nutrition of our hybrids. That That's foremost in our minds. And when we look at other research companies, the other bigger companies, they have it kind of backwards. They're thinking more of the yield first and then going and, and saying, oh, yeah, this is nutritious, you know, okay. and, and not really actually having a measure for that either. They're just saying it is nutritious. Yeah. Um, or it has the look of a good silent or hybrid. Or a good, yeah. Or, you know, and, and, I, and I think that you're right. I think there's a lot of companies who, who breed corn, and then they find the hybrids that are going to work for silage. Yeah. Right. And, and so, and so we, we, we are focused on those kinds of things. And, but at the same time, we're not just focused on, on doing that because I think a lot of times guys have in their, in, their, in their mind that a silage hybrid is a grain hybrid that won't stand up. You know, or is big, tall, and leafy, yeah. and um, and and has lots of plant mass, and that's and that's the way they're thinking. So if I say this is a silage specific hybrid, they're thinking it it won't stand yeah. long enough to harvest it for grain, which is not where we are. At no, all. no, that and that's what we're using this research combine for is so that yes, we have these hybrids that we said okay, this one's very nutritious compared to you know. 5160 or 5660 or something like that. Now, how does that these new hybrids that are coming out compare to that in yield as well? Um, you know, we're looking for those things that have the good stay green, uh, have good stock qualities, good uh, um, root qualities, you know, along with, uh, you know, how it looks going through the combine. Uh, that's one thing that uh, I kind of put my own little twist on. I give a rating on how well it looks going through the combine, but uh, that's what. I guess sets us different is that we've we've determined that those are nutritious. Now we have to determine that they're also going to yield well. And if if for example we need to have this hybrid, um, you know, the term that gets th- uh, thrown around is dual purpose. Right, right. Um, you know, we the way I kind of look at Which that I is hate, I hate yeah, the term dual purpose. Yeah, it's it's kind of a again if you talk to one company it means something versus us where we say okay this is very nutritious and if if there is a problem where you can't get out in the field it can go to grain and still yield at a certain level um that is very competitive with everything else that's out there as well right and so yeah you're right i i kind of get that question of well do you have dual purpose hybrids no but in but depending on how you yeah. how you define it, I don't. I personally don't like the term um, dual purpose because I, I think it I think it harkens to that thought that this is a grain hybrid that we're mm-hmm. using for silage. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, this is a si- these, these are these are bred and developed for nutritional qualities and not even necessarily bred just for silage. Although all of our hybrids, 
can be used for silage, right? Yep. All of our hybrids can can be used for for that whole plant silage and feedability, but we want to make sure that there is lots of grain there for that guy who is going to who's going to have that field that maybe he doesn't need all the silage and is going to take some to the elevator. We're also going to do that for the guy who is going to um, who who is going to take some 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 grain to feed, whether it be high mm-hmm. moisture or dry grain. And so we want to make sure that those that those grain yields are as high as anything else in the industry. Yes, yeah, that's that's uh, kind of on my side, and, and I kind of give a little preface to this is yeah. that I I came from a yield breeding background where I came from hard grain. Uh, you know, make the make the kernels extremely hard, and this is just going to be shipped for export. Um, when I came to Master's Choice, I did have kind of a switch in mindset, and actually we had discussions in the first few months where I was right. really struggling with the idea of that dual-purpose hybrid idea. I was thinking, okay, what if we just put tonnage in the, in, in the bunker, right. and we just called it tonnage, where, you know, after a few months here, when we got to talking and explaining exactly what quality means, um, that's where kind of my mindset kind of changed a little so bit. So you're saying that we corrupted you. I wouldn't say corrupted, just shown the light. Shown the light. Shown the light. <laughs> shown the light. Okay, but, I, I, I'll, I'll go with that. This this also goes back to uh, back when I was younger, my dad explained that quality of your work is better than the quantity of your work. Okay. You know, there's certain level of quantity you need to get done, but right. there's a quality of your work that needs to be done as well. Like, I think that translates into how I breed for corn and how this company is is pursuing corn it's a quality thing it's not the we're not going to put 150 200 hybrids out that are going to be all across the united states we're going to get those really good ones that are quality that are going to work across uh, multiple environments they're going to be stable across those environments and, and and really benefit the farmer more than just saying okay we've got all these hybrids that yield above 200 bushels in a 175 bushel environment yeah that that's where i think uh uh this us as master's choice is it are we are we are changing that kind of mindset and and you can see that over the the recent years as right. well. Right. So we we don't we don't breed and develop for for dual purpose. No. Okay. But we do breed and develop for corn hybrids that can be taken for silage yes. and that can be taken for grain. Yes. Also looking at the feedability not just of the whole plant but also also of the grain. Uh, when we're there, and we actually have a few hybrids that we would not recommend that you take to grain and feed. Exactly, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of of 6750. Um, that I I would not recommend that as a, as a feeding now, um, because because I know that the texture of that corn is not exactly where where we would like yeah. it to be, but it fit it fit in a space that we needed something. Now the fiber digestibility is some of the best in in our lineup, some of the best that I've ever seen. You know, on on that hybrid. Uh, great fiber digestibility, great feeding qualities. When when you when you can take it at, at proper moisture, when you can let it sit in the in the uh, uh, in the silage pile for a little while and let that starch di- digestibility kind of develop. But you know, a guy who's going to say, "Well, I need something that I can feed as dry grain," I'm not going to recommend that hybrid. A guy who says, "I'm going to take it to the elevator," I might recommend mm-hmm. that hybrid because it's going to have high grain yields. Um, but yet it just doesn't have the have the feedability. So let's let's talk a little bit you you and I here. Let's talk a little bit about how how we would what what parameters we would use to to recommend um, hybrids for high moisture and for dry grain that a guy is going to harvest and feed. Okay. okay. So as a, as a breeder, what are you looking for there? Uh, on the breeding side, I'm looking for things that. Uh, 
kind of as an overall though i'm looking for something that's going to give you a little bit of a larger harvest window because okay. uh, uh, you don't want to be packed into getting it all in a week and right. say like and th- it has anthracnose i think of one hybrid that i've kind of been working with for a little bit is that it has uh late season anthracnose uh, issues okay. essentially it dies off quick okay. uh in the stalks and gets rooty and kind of falls around uh i wouldn't recommend that um as a grain hybrid necessarily because you want to have that stand up and still be out in the field and get be able to get your combine through mm-hmm. i might put that more towards a, a silage only option right. or a even uh with with this specific hybrid i know the starch is really uh, really good so i would say high, high moisture corn as well okay. but i'd stay away from keeping it all the way to grain um so so just for those who who may not who who may not um uh have may hear, hear these terms for the first time what what is the difference between high moisture corn okay and and dry grain okay so so high moisture corn is uh between 38 uh 40 at a max very max i wouldn't go any over 38 down to 24 uh points of moisture percent moisture because that's points of moisture not dry matter not dry matter that's 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 grain moisture um that's going to be your, your kind of ideal window. Once you get to 24, then that starts switching over to this needs to be taken for dry grain and gone into an elevator or gone into your grain bin or go to an elevator and get that down to the 15.5 yeah. that elevators and whatnot need to have uh, to take to export and whatnot. Um, or even if you're feeding it on farm, you'd like to bring that down. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of the. It's kind of the level for level high moisture. For high moisture, and then and then dry grain would be what we typically think about. Dry grain that that is you know fifteen percent or yeah. below, and and then and then put in the just put it in yeah, a grain yeah, bin and, and augured out and, yeah. and ground up. And and black layer is kind of that time when um, I guess when those types of um, high high moisture has still a little, little bit of a black layer involved in it but once it gets past like i said that 24 percent now you need to stop uh stop thinking about this high moisture in in packing it somewhere and then actually getting it into a, a grain bin somewhere. yeah yeah because it, at that at that point it's um it's it's too dried off it, to ferment mm-hmm. yes yep. and, and with high moisture we're really wanting kind of a little bit of ferment fermentation there and the and the starch digestibility is higher the, the wetter you know the texture and, and we talk about this a lot but you know the texture of corn really affects the digestibility, mm-hmm. or, or is an indicator of digestibility. Let me say that because high moisture corn is softer, mm-hmm. flour, more floury than than what we would consider dry grain. Yeah, in, and in, not in, all of, not all of the 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 harder grain has been fixed as as much as it would be at a twenty four or lower uh, level. When you're in that twenty four to thirty eight, you still have where where some of that that harder grain hasn't been totally fixed over into harder. Yeah. Total harder. So grain. it hasn't set the prolamin proteins. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so, so you're looking at um, to kind of to kind of get back to where we were when when you're looking at a hybrid that you're going to recommend for somebody to to take for for dry grain or even for even for high moisture corn to some degree. You're looking for something that that's definitely going to going to have good uh, plant intactness yep. later on in the season. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. And and so so what are the other what are the other measures there that you're looking at? Um, you know, obviously the the more softer starch okay. would be a plus for any type of high moisture because it's when you t- look at a kernel two different kernels, one that has a higher amount of harder grain, one that has a higher amount of uh, softer grain, um, you would rather have the softer one yep. in a high moisture environment because it's going to allow for more available energy 
from the kernel itself. Yes, you know, and, that's, and quicker. And, and, quicker. and quicker. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of another area where I look at, um, you know, there's some other uh, roots, structures, I guess that goes into plant integrity and stuff. Yeah. But um, I would like to have, um, if, if anything, a white, wider cob, um, just in case if you want to take like an earlidge or okay. something where you're actually taking the cob with it. The white cobs are traditionally thought of being a little bit more softer. Yeah. Uh, and it gets a little more digestible in a way where the, the, the yeah. redder cobs have kind of been shy. The redder away cobs from are a little bit harder. And, and just a little bit less palatable. And, and that's, uh, and I don't know if there's any studies out there kind of explaining that uh, entirely, but that's kind of the industry. People think of wider cobs being softer, maybe gets a little more disease once you take that later on in the season. So uh, typically when you think of uh, taking things for grain, you think of red cob, hard dent, you know, yeah. and, and something that can stay in the field when it's completely dried down. And then, uh, you know, if you're taking it for high moisture, you're still going to have a little bit of green greenness of the plant. Uh, you know, if you could have that softer kernel, um, you know, good health um, overall would be um, preferred. Because right. if you get if you get bad health package in, um, you know, for gray leaf spot or northern or something like that, that's taking out of that yield that you can get into, uh, say, the high moisture. And even in the, the harder grain, you're going to be losing a little bit of yield. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Uh, you know, when I when I'm looking at recommending if a guy, because in, our, in if you if you were to pick up a hybrid, our our hybrid guide mm-hmm. and you go. Oh well, which one of these do you? We don't really make those recommendations. I think there's a chart on the back that that we that we make we make some of those silage, um, you know, dry grain, uh, high feed, feed high moisture. Like I think I think something along those lines where we kind of put some X's in, in a box and and so I, you know what when when I'm looking at at a hybrid and, and going to recommend something, I, I want I want a hybrid with a good flex ear, one that's yeah. going to put on a lot of grain and, and one that that's going to you know. Even even for for high moisture or, or just dry grain, uh, I want something that, that's going to be flexier. It's going to have big kernels, mm-hmm. and and those are typically the the hybrids that I that I like to, to recommend for uh, uh, for a guy who's who's going to maybe leave some of his silage for for that or, or planting specifically for high moisture or, or dry grain. And, and that uh, and that kind of goes back to the way things have been breeding over the last you know sixty years is that we've been breeding more towards harder grain and. Uh, if you have a hard grain, uh, it weighs just the same because farmers get paid off bushels per acre, yeah. right? So Well, they don't necessarily well, get paid off bushels per acre. A farmer who takes to the elevator there's gets a paid off thing. of what? Weight. He doesn't get paid off volume. It's weight. It's weight. It's weight, which it's is why your test weight needs to be at 56 or you know yes. higher. Yes. So uh, you can take a small kernel that's really hard and has a test weight of 56, or you can take a a softer kernel that's larger and still be at that 56. Yeah. Right? That's where breeding has kind of brought us, where the kernels have been getting a little bit smaller, a little bit more, uh, I guess, flinty is the way. Yeah. Um, vitreous. Vitreous. Flinty, uh, yeah. flinty vit- vitreousness. And so you're still getting that same amount of weight per kernel. It's just they're, they're smaller. They're so smaller. They, they, and they're and more they're, packed and in they're, there. And, 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 and that's where breeding has gone, where now when you could bring in that, more so, softer kernel, you know, if you can increase the softer kernel's size, you know, you're yep. going to still get that that weight that you need, especially when you take it into a high moisture environment, and then you get the energy uh, increase as well. So Definitely. same weight, same in, uh, same uh, amount of, uh, you know, I guess mass would be the way of, of saying it, but you're also getting more energy if you took a kernel that's smaller or at the same size, and it's really hard, you're not going to get as much energy. And correct? I had a question I was going to ask you, and it has escaped me at the moment. Uh-huh. But it was it was it was about it was about hard grain versus softer grain and, and something about 
bushel weight or oh yeah i know what oh, it was test, now now on the test, yeah, weight thing? test weight test weight so so here here's here's a question uh now that i ran around that mulberry yeah. bush to to remember um are are we going to lose test weight with with the with the more flowery softer endosperm in master's choice corn i mean are we are we looking at at being docked for test weight at the elevator the, there might be one or two hybrids that I would say maybe there's a dock, but I wouldn't say entirely no, because you're making up for it with our, um, you know, we're not, I guess in a way I, I should put this where uh, we're not, you're not going to get docked at all. Yeah. It, it's just, they, they're going to see, if they go up there and they grab that kernel, they're going to say, okay, this is, right this this is softer, well, you know, what was the deal? And then they test the actual test weight and it's not going to be really any right. different. With, with master's choice hybrids, and, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not, okay, is that, <laughs> um, that you know, we're, we're sitting at that 56-pound mm-hmm. test weight most of the time. Uh, you're, you're probably not going to find a master's choice hybrid with a 62, 64-pound mm-hmm. test weight. Yeah. Okay, but you, we're gonna we're gonna be on that on that uh, you know fifty six maybe some fifty fives in there, uh, but but we're not gonna we're not gonna really lose out on test weight. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree because that's you know that's the industry standard and, and and this goes back again to the research combine is that uh, we can test for test weight uh, as well and, and determine okay well this one's gonna be at like a fifty three, you know do. Do we want to move this one forward? Probably not. And, and, well, and when, when you recommend it, right? Right. You wouldn't recommend it to go to grain. Exactly. Right? And that's what I was going to say is that maybe if we, maybe if we had one that that was that was consistently at mm-hmm. fifty three or fifty two, that would be one that we would say, you know, okay, take it for high moisture. But if you're going to take it to the if, or even if you're going to feed it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and feed it. But if you if you're needing to take something to the elevator, this is yeah, probably hold not off. Hold this off is this, probably yeah. not the corn that, that you're going to want to plant to do. And, that. and and no, and I guess this kind of goes into just uh, general management on the farm. Just know where you're going to end up taking that uh, grain. If if you already have plans on this certain acreage, we're going to take for silage. Then this certain acreage, we're going to take for high moisture. And then this this we're going to take to the elevator. Know what you're going to plant in those areas beforehand, because yeah. that's you know that's pretty important to know that you're 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 getting the best possible hybrid on those acreages. Uh, for whatever those so that that goes back to planning all the way back into uh winter time in springtime before you even plan right that's right. that's one of those things that makes a good farmer even more uh profitable later on in the year so that he when he knows okay this is this is the hybrid that i'm going to use on this field and mm-hmm. this is what this is what its best end use is yes uh, exactly and and that goes to the quality thing you know right you're, you're you're finding something that has the highest quality for that specific market or specific uh, use and use you're going to do. And that's where the bigger companies have kind of failed us. Everything now for end use to them is it's going to go to the elevator. Yeah. That, that's, that's their thought. And that's where, that's where they want to see the money from. And yeah. that's where farmers well, and, are getting and, and, paid and from. It's the guy, it's the guy who's planting the corn. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you look at, you look at the industry today and we have, we have consolidated the animals. We no longer have, you know, there are, there are places that are the exception to this rule, but but there is no longer the guy who is planting the corn and then grazing his corn mm-hmm. or grazing that the cows on the on the corn stubble, uh, you know, over winter like like grandpa used to do, and and not you know we we've taken we've taken the animals off the land, mm-hmm. and and we've separated the guy who is growing the corn from the guy who is feeding the corn. Okay, and 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 as a corn company, 
you know there there is a there is a um, there is a strong pull to cater to the guy who is buying that bag of seed yeah. because the guy at the feedlot is not buying that bag of, of feed. The guy who is the guy who has got the uh, the pigs is not buying that bag of seed. The guy who is raising mm-hmm. the chickens is not buying that bag of seed. Right? Yep. It, it's the guy who's planting that, and we and we've catered to him. And we go back to this that he is the guy who is taking that 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 corn out of the field, putting it in a truck, and driving it over the scales at the elevator. And he's getting paid on how much mm-hmm. that that truckload weighs. And we've really focused on him. And and so we've we've made that harder, heavier grain. We've also you know made it where the where the corn stalks are less digestible, and so that it so that it can stand till November yep. December. Um, and and that's not always the case, but we've made it. We've made those 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 stalks stand in in higher population situations where we cram all of those plants in there together. They get they get as you know you know as big around as mm-hmm. your thumb maybe, and and then and then we but we want them to stand up. Yeah, you know? lignified all all to get out, and exactly. And then they, you you want to have that, and a lot of times when. You add in things like uh, corn borer tolerance, uh, you know, rootworm tolerance and stuff like that. Typically, uh, those types of genetics, you know, coming from my side, are typically going to be more lignified in, in the whole plant mass, yeah. just all over. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why things have been kind of going towards less and less digestible uh, over the so many years that corn breeding has been happening. Definitely. So. Definitely, and, and so and so we 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 as a corn company, we're saying let's focus on the guy, the end use of that corn. Let let's focus on that. You know, I, I read a little bit of an article uh, the other um, the other day that that Rutgers University has um, developed a transgenic gene that increases methionine in corn, and and they are you know they're looking at that for 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 uh, the African market for the guys uh you know for for over there where where there's a that's a corn heavy mm-hmm. human diet and, and adding that to make that more nutritious I think that we're seeing a turn in the industry it, it was it's kind of my my direction there is that we're starting to see a turn in the industry where where corn is not just corn anymore and and that we just don't put more of it in there even though um, I think here recently corn dropped below two, uh, dropped below three dollars a bushel. Um, you know, we it's it's cheap, and so we'll just put more and more in. But I really think there's a turn in the industry to begin to look at the end use. What are we actually using this corn for? And let's breed and develop for the for the end use of of that corn. And I mean, look at me. Um, I came from a yeah. breeding for high yield and hard grain type of uh, breeding program, and now I'm. I'm I'm seeing like we talked about earlier, seeing the light, right? Hey, yeah, you've come over to the light right. side. You're no longer at the yeah, dark yeah. side. Yeah, So exactly, you're like they're, Luke Skywalker. There, yeah, yeah. I wish, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You're, so that's that's the. Uh, I feel like that's the progression of things as well. As as we go over these next 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to see a large shift in the industry from that hard grain stuff, the stuff the grain bins, to a more quality based. Let's figure out who's going to be using this feed in the end yeah. and making sure that we're most efficient on that end. And then, you know, in a way, I kind of see that also bumping uh, corn prices because we're not going to be producing as much, you know, hard grain. We're still going to have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's going to be still a thing because we're going to still be exporting and, and so on and so forth. But we're going to be thinking about 
you know, that in use more and more, which means maybe we don't produce as much, but we are getting more efficient on the farm in the later end. Yeah, yeah, and in, in there, in there, it becomes a, a game of efficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and and so I'm I'm really hesitant to say not not producing as much. You know, because I think that we can I think that we can yield just as much with corns that are bred and developed for for a specific end use. And and I think that that's part of the fear in the industry. And, and, and kind of that fear-mongering is, oh, if we go down this road, we've been yeah. down this road before, you know, oh, we had we had our high lysine corn and we had our waxy corn and we just didn't yield what they should have. Well, well by golly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, we we can we, ha- we have got the technology yeah. to make those things yield now. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, and we've got the technology to do that. And so I, I think that, that more than just producing less than bumping price, I think when we really start to focus in on on that specific end use, I think we can bump price because there's going to be a benefit to the guy who's feeding Later it. On. It's yep. not just hard, dented, number two, yellow corn yeah. at $2.75 a bushel, come get all you want, yeah. right? You know, it is, this corn is bred and developed specifically for pigs, and guys, it's going to make your pigs perform better, more efficiently. You you can, you you know, you know faster get weight mm-hmm. weight gains and those things and 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 those guys are are going to are going to pay a premium for that and, and so so i think that i think that sometimes i think there's sometimes as as daddy would say more than one way to skin a cat yeah and um, and yes producing lots of grain makes it cheap but that doesn't help that doesn't necessarily help the farmer yeah and um and and so but also i think we can really specify some of those things and and get there so all right. Before we get way off yeah. on on too many things <laughs> there and get get way too uh, emotional and, and what have you, let let me say this: we we do have guys in in the middle of grain harvest. Uh, what are what are some what are some some things? Just some just some uh, some things to say. Uh, if you're going to go grain, if you're if you're getting ready to harvest grain, Colin, give us the first five ten big tips. Of, of making this a successful grain harvest. Okay, so first, uh, slow down. When I find me myself, slow down? No, Don't not, tell not me not to you. slow down. Not, not you. Oh, okay, this talking, is my podcast. Ta- ta- talking to our farmers out there, Okay, slow down. I, I find myself, uh, whenever I'm in the combine, I typically want to speed up, get through that, because I want to get home and get some dinner and, and, and have a, a nice uh, okay. sit down at TV, watch some TV, kick, kick up my feet. Uh, so I'm... I'm, I'm I'm sensing a theme here because when we told guys when they were planting, we told them to slow down. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now when they're harvesting, we're telling them to slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Okay. So what what ends up happening is uh, if we you get uh, the, the combine rolling a little too quick because you're wanting to push it through and get through the night, and if you're running all night, you do that for uh, two weeks, three weeks straight, yeah, you're going to get tired. But if you slow down a little bit, you're going to get less of a yield loss uh, okay. later on, less corn getting dropped on around uh out of your combine when it's coming through the the rolling um you know rolling pins and 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 grabber chains and whatnot uh if you slow down um like i said you're not going to lose as much corn okay uh there is a little bit of an evaluation for this and and i'll just give the kind of simple and easy one uh for 187 feet if you drop one ear that is a one bushel per acre loss okay so if you're moving quicker and the corn's kind of bouncing in, you know, as it's coming in the, the header, 
if it's bouncing off, one ear just pops right off. That's a bushel per acre for if, for 187 many? feet. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, now you can also do a, a one bu- one foot square kind of box too, and if you can find uh, two lo- two kernel loss per square foot. Uh, that could be coming off the, the header or that can be coming off the back yeah. of the combine uh, as trash is coming out okay. and, and stuff are kind of bouncing around out in the back. Um, that if you find two kernels per square foot. Two kernels per square that's foot. That's an acre or a bushel per acre loss. Really? Two kernels? Two kernels per square foot. So that – and I find uh, a lot of times when you go out to a field about oh, uh, two or three weeks after – a combine yeah. has rolled through. You're going to see a lot of corn popping up yeah. off the yeah. ground. That's because you know maybe their combine's not uh, not set right. Maybe the thresher's wrong. Thresher speed maybe gets to go down a little bit. But that's kind of the the big thing is guys get out there and yeah. they start hammering it and going quick and they uh, drop off a lot of corn I, out I of have, back. I and have off seen cornfields that look like. They went back in and yeah, drilled yeah, corn in. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you have more corn in the field now than you did when you planted. Yes, and that and that's the thing. That's people people get amped up. You know, you see your neighbor. I did this this year. I could I could say from personal experience, I did this this year. I watched guys harvesting all around me about two weeks before I needed to harvest, and I got antsy. I wanted to get out there and start rolling my combine because the neighbor was doing it. Slow down. Take a deep breath. Make sure all your equipment is is set, uh, properly set. Okay. Your yield, yield monitor needs to be properly uh, calibrated. Uh, if you have a guy at the John De- dealership or the IH dealership or whatever, uh, those yeah. those guys or the gleaner or the gleaner or, or something or like the cloth yeah. or the yeah but we're we're not going to discriminate here yeah 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 anyway. <laughs> But, you know, if you have a guy that that is doing that for you, make sure you get that uh, combine in early. Uh, okay. Make sure it gets set early because everybody else is doing the same right. thing. Everybody wants their combine set properly and, and running efficiently. Um, also, as you switch, uh, and this is kind of some weeks back, uh, when you switch from doing corn and you still have some corn acreage, acreage left and then you have a, some bean fields you need to get in, Make sure that you keep kind of on track on where, um, how much uh, yield loss you're getting per basically per day. I, had, I kind of pulled up a little uh, research paper here. Uh, basically, uh, here's a study that showed that uh, corn loss grain moisture at about 0.4 points per day uh, comes down uh, at 55 to 60 percent. So if you think about that, if you're having a 50, uh, 55 degree to 60 degree day every day for about oh uh, 10 days you've already lost four points of moisture okay okay so when you switch over from corn and yeah. go to beans if you have a 10 days of um of harvest there of 60 degree weather you've already lost four four uh, percent moisture okay. in the in the grain so okay. say say you're at 24 percent yeah you're now down to 20 percent yeah say when you switched over to beans you were at uh you know 18% moisture when you stop. Now you're, yeah. down, to 14, now you're down to 14, but at that point you're also losing uh, losing yield. Yeah. Here's a here's another study that said uh, field losses uh, of one percent per week starting in early October. So at the time that we're uh, recording this podcast, it's early October. You are now losing one percent yield out of the field per week. So typically, right about now, I guess, and even in our, our our area. We're probably at that 18% moisture right now. When you lose four uh, four uh, percent moisture yeah. over a ten days, and you're now losing one percent a week, you are losing a lot of grain yield. Yeah. You you may not have to dry it as much, but you you're losing a lot of grain yield in the end, especially one percent of 
uh, what? That's but we're also saying at the same time, slow down. Slow down. Yeah, Take yeah, your yeah. time. Take your time. Take your time. But 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 don't be the guy who has the last stuff out. Yeah, because you you Makes are sense. losing a lot uh, week in and week week in and week out, and that can go up to ten percent of your your yield loss uh, okay. as well because things are falling down. Maybe that hybrid, if if it didn't have a good stay green later on in the year, it's gonna fall over. It's not you know it's gonna have issues. Uh, here's another one. Uh, know where your uh, problem fields are. Okay. okay? Places that are a little lower, maybe yeah. a little wetter, you can leave them out there for just a little bit longer. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, secondly, if you have d- damaged crops, say corn rootworm or uh, uh, some corn borer came in or earworm, yeah. where you don't have traits on that field, and maybe you're taking it for like an organic or a conventional corn, yeah. re- remember where those problem areas are, especially for uh, borers and rootworms, because now those fields are going to be even more damage the longer you leave it out there you're going to have stock lodging root lodging you're going to lose yield that way as well so knowing where your problem fields are addressing those first is usually the 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 primary um primary fields you want to go to yeah uh and then just knowing where maybe you can leave a few other fields uh, out for a little bit longer finding that if you are taking if you know for a fact this this acreage is going to go for grain uh, then find something that's got good stay green, find something that's going to um, have good uh, disease tolerance and, and uh, insect tolerances. You know, find that type of hybrid that's going to be good on that acreage so you can leave it there once you right. turn over to beans and you can come back to it and know for a fact you're not going to be losing as much uh, when you do get back to it. That makes sense. I, I, so, uh, so kind of a, kind of a uh, same theme question, but just a, a question just to, just to ask. So, you know, we see a lot of corn sometimes uh, right as we're getting ready to harvest it that the top of the corn plant is broken out of, okay? So the top of it is, but the ear's still there, the plant's still there. I mean, is, is that a problem or, or, or not? Well, uh, I guess this is from a uh, uh, from the way I look at yeah. it. It's just kind of a visual thing. Right. It, it's a hybrid that's still got the ear on it. You know, you, you're not having any issues there. When you have say stock lodging though right. where the stalks right. are leaned over right. or the root lodging where the whole plant's leaning over you know that's going to be more of a of a, a problem to address but the tops are out of it it's okay now if you start seeing where the tops are out and maybe like three quarters or a three quarters of the plant maybe even a half of the plant is still up there you still have the ear ear yeah. height being uh, low that's going to be one that uh you know maybe you need to address a little bit quicker I, I'm a kind of a coffee shop, sit around yeah. when I talk to a farmer type of guy. So when I see my field like that, I might be more antsy to go get you it. Get to go get it. But right. if you, like I said, if you know where your problem areas are, where there's going to be some insect pressure, or disease pressure, or, you know, yeah. something like that, I would have tried to address those first to make sure that field get out would get out uh, prior to say something that just has the tops out of it. Makes sense. Good deal. Cullen, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you. Um, I know that you've been busy, and and I know that you do have more going on in your life than yeah. just uh, than just harvesting corn and shelling corn and and uh, drying corn yeah. and, and uh, <laughs> counting seed and all of that. And so, but just appreciate you, and thanks for joining us. Today, yes, man. it's been great. Thanks for having me. All right, bud. Hey, uh, thank you all for listening out there. We appreciate you listening in. Uh, you know, hey, uh, remember always that we uh, that we are social. You can catch us on YouTube on Facebook, and on Instagram. Thanks, guys.